We're going to continue studying on our covenant of health. And I'm, I tell you, I think I've just got a scattered load today. And I'm believing that it all makes sense. <laughs> there was so much I wanted to say. So, so we started a couple of weeks ago on studying the covenants. We studied the covenant of prosperity for one thing and the covenant of peace. But we're, we're going to continue with the covenant of health. So let's go back and let's remind ourselves, what is a covenant? I want us to go back and, rem and remind ourselves, and I don't remember, I think that was maybe Brenda that brought this out. But the covenant is so strong that we have with God. You know, it, it's just, uh, we just got to remember how strong it is. So a covenant is made up of God's promises. And a covenant has power. And we have a covenant of health with God. So we have a covenant or a contract with God. That's what a covenant is. One that is sealed by the blood of Jesus. And listen to this. It cannot be broken by God. There comes our trust. The covenant of health cannot be broken by God. But we can break it. By the words of our mouth and our actions. So we've got to hang on to what God has said. And, and that's during pain. That's during sickness. That's through coughing. <laughs> that's through the flu thing, that, the RSV that they say that's going around. If that hits your body, you've got to trust God and his covenant. And no, it cannot stay on your body. Amen. It can't stay there if we will say what the Word of God says. Amen. And, and you know that's not always easy because in the natural, we want to say how we feel instead of what the Word says. But we've got to give the Word time to work in our body, okay? So just remember that uh, the covenant of health cannot be broken by God. Amen. So, out of the covenant of God comes your health. That covenant of health, amen? So, in this, I'm going to read to you one of the Psalms. Let's go to Psalms 138. And this is David. You know, he wrote most of these Psalms. But I want to read this to you. I'm going to read verse 7 and 8. And then we're going to go to the first verse in 39. Psalms. He says, this is David. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Well, we could teach on that one all day long. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. So we see when he's writing this here that he was in trouble. And he was talking to God. He says, Thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. And y'all hear me quote that one all the time. That means he will bring to completion that which concerns you. He says, Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. 
forsake not the works of thine own hands. Oh, I love that. He said, Lord, forsake not the works of thine own hand. Now, you can take that and meditate on that one verse all day long. The works of his hands. And um, I'm going to give you another translation here in just a minute. And then it says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and you've known me. Y'all, this is so personal. Can you not see the personal relationship here that David had with God? Listen to his heart here. And we have that same type of relationship. He says, thou hast searched me and you know me. Wow. Think, pause and think on that one. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. I'm telling you, that's pretty personal, isn't it? You know, God's not way off somewhere that doesn't know you. He's in here. For there is not a, listen to this, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Now then, I want to read the God's Word translation to you concerning this. And I love this. Lord, you have examined me, and you know me. You know, some, that might bother a lot of people. But he knows you. He knows what's in here. Amen. He says, you alone know when I sit down and when I get up. <laughs> Is that just not astounding to y'all? He knows, he knows you're sitting down. And he knows when you're going to rise up. I mean, that's pretty good God. But you say, that's a father. You read my thoughts from far away. You watch me when I travel and when I rest. You are familiar with all my ways. Even before there is a single word on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You are all around me. You are in front of me and in back of me. You lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is beyond my grasp. And when you read that out of that, I believe it was the God's Words translation, yeah. That is so personal. The relationship that he has with you and about you. To me, this, that passage out of the God's Words was so beautiful that he knows everything about me. I mean, sometimes you may feel like, where is God? And he's going to say, I'm right here. I know all about you. I know, what's I know what's troubling you today. I know what your thoughts are. I know them from afar. I know what you're thinking. But I'm, I'm for you. I'm in front of you. I'm behind you. I'm with you wherever you go. So what does that tell me? I need to talk to him. I need to fellowship with him. I need to talk to him. He already knows it. He said, even before any word is ever spoken on my tongue, he knows it. 
man, to me, that is so impressive that the personal relationship. You know, I, I had a good daddy. I'm thankful for my daddy. I mean, he worked so hard all of his life. He died too young. Had they not had the medical knowledge that they have now, he wouldn't have died so young. But, you know, when you're third from the bottom of 11 children, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> but my daddy was a wonderful daddy. My mama, I mean, she didn't work outside the home. She didn't have time to work outside the home. All she did was cook and clean and wash and all that kind of stuff. Of course, we did too. Someone said the other day, do you remember when they used to hang clothes out on the line? I thought, well, yes. <laughs> and put all those stretchers in your jeans. I said, I, I, we used to hang out four and five lines of clothes at a time. Someone posted a picture on Facebook the other day of a uh, clothespin holder. And they were, does anybody know what this is? I thought, come on, let's be real. You need to live when I live. Amen. You know, and I live, this is just, I'm just sharing now. But honey, I still iron. Do y'all know what an iron is? Chelsea, do you know what an iron is? You bring yours to me. She brings her ironing to me. Praise God. But that's a blessing. I enjoy doing it. She even brings me to patch her, her husband's clothes. Well, I, wasn't, I was raised to do stuff like that. I was raised with a Coke bottle with a cork in it, and you sprinkled those clothes down, and you rolled them up, and you put them in a pillowcase and put them in the refrigerator. You talk about ironing. Now, they were beautiful. And we boiled our starch. Well, how in the world did I get onto that? Well, what a good daddy I had. So that's what Mama, you know, they taught us to do things like that. But my daddy, when he would come home from work, we were his kids. He was worn out. But he was always there for us. And he built slides. We had a dirt tennis court. We played ball. All of this, what I'm trying to give you is a picture of the Father God. He knows. He's there for you. He wants to play with you. He wants to be involved in your sports. He wants to be involved with your kids. He wants to be a part of your life. And I'm thankful I had a great daddy. Amen? It's so important because a lot of people that don't have that and are raised with a good daddy, it's hard for them to see the goodness of God. But God is your friend. And for him to know the words that's on my tongue that are not even spoken yet, that's pretty personal. Amen? But God is good. Be thankful that he is that type father. He's not just God. He's your father. Amen. And he is very personal with you. Amen. So, I love the fact that he's in front of me and he's in back of me and he lays hands on me. And when you stop to think about what he said, such knowledge is hard for us to grasp that he is that personal with you. He is that personal with me. And he's concerned about your health. He's concerned about you walking in what 
His son Jesus came to provide for us. How thankful. Every night of this world, I thank God for the word of God. I go through my thing and, and it's, not a, uh, it's not a law, <laughs> Mary. But every night, the last thing I, it's not necessarily the last thing, but one of the things I tell him, I love you, Father God. And then I'll go whatever comes in my spirit. I love you, Lord Jesus. I appreciate you. Thank you for leaving that place and coming here, you know. And I thank you for the word of God and the understanding and the comprehension because in this word is your freedom from sickness, from disease, from poverty, from depression. It's in here. That's how important this word is. Praise God. So the covenant that we have in Jesus is all sufficient. It covers every area of our life, spirit, soul, and body. So today we're studying in part about our health, though, about our body. God did not design your body to house sickness. Your body was created to house peace. And that's part of where sickness comes from is because of the strife, the dissension, the sin that is in the land. And our bodies and our souls was not designed to have that in it. But we're all around it, and if we don't watch, we'll accept all that that's in this world. We are in this world, the Word of God says, but we're not of this world. And what's he saying? We operate under a different law. We operate under the laws of God. But uh, we know sickness is in the land. We know it's here. But praise God, it provided a way for us to get it off of us. Amen? So, he didn't design your body for anything but peace and all. So most people have the mentality that everyone has to be sick. You know what? I just challenge you to show that to me in the Word. Show that to me in the Word. Most people think you have to be sick to die. Show that to me in the Word. We have examples of, of men. Uh, some of the books that were written, uh, they just said, I'm, I'm going to be with God today because they knew you know, they didn't have to be sick. They just left. Praise God. So just because you hear that from other people doesn't mean it's true. You don't have to be sick. Amen. So the Christian problems has been that we think apart from the word. Because we're in the world and we're surrounded by negative stuff all the time. That wasn't the way it was in the beginning. Adam and Eve until Satan came and, and deceived them. There was none of this. But after that, the fallen man, then sickness came. Um, we accept the world's way of thinking. And, and I wrote down some things that came to my mind, and y'all can laugh if you want to. Well, just stop and think about it. If the world says, now we're talking about we think like the world, if the world says, and they have said this in the past, don't eat eggs. Do y'all remember that? Yeah. It's bad for your cholesterol. So what did people do? They quit eating eggs. You didn't see that in the Word of God. So, you know, just wait a minute. Let's put some brakes on here. 
Now, what are they saying? Well, you can eat eggs because it's a natural cholesterol. Now you can eat eggs. Well, praise God, you can now eat eggs, girls. But if you listen to that mess, you'll quit. Well, did you pray? Did you ask God about if you could eat eggs or not? Or did you go by what the world is saying? Now, y'all may get a little upset with me, but praise God I can eat eggs again. I never stopped eating them. But, I mean, I don't eat bunches of eggs because I don't care for them that much. But what about red meat? Now, what I'm doing today is getting right down to where you live, girls. What about red meat? Well, I don't eat red meat. Why? Because the doctor said it's not good for you. What does the word say? I don't know. Well, God would tell him to go feel a fatted calf. You think he'd tell him to go kill a fatted calf if you wasn't supposed to eat it? I mean, you know, let's think, girls. Now, if you don't want to eat red meat, that's up to you and God. I'm not criticizing you for that. What I'm trying to say is, ask God. Ask him. I eat red meat. I get tired of chicken. You know, I fix it every which way. And but I'm telling you, there's nothing quite like, you know, a good old hamburger steak with gravy on it or whatever, you know. But ask God. And what I'm trying to say is you should be free. But people don't pray and ask God. They go by what the way the world thinks. And now then you can even eat chocolate. Now that doesn't say you say you overindulge on any of these things. We're not saying overindulge on any of it. But we think like the world thinks. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. We don't live our life out of this up here. We live our life out of this in here. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't, I don't condemn anybody that does, you know, if, any of that. And you can overload on any of these things. But I'm trying to get across to you, let's live out of our spirit. If you don't watch it, people, if you eat red meat, people are going to condemn you. Well, I just let that run off of me. If I want to eat it, I eat it. If I don't, I don't. But remember, I put a preference that don't overload on anything. It doesn't matter what it is. But we've got to quit thinking like the world thinks. That was just some examples that came to my mind. Uh, and and I, thought, I thought, well, why would God tell them to fill a fatted calf? You know, why would he tell them to do that? If it's bad for you. Let's talk to God about these things. That's what I'm trying to say. We just, go, we just go right along with what man thinking is if we don't watch it. Okay? So, it's a good thing God provided healing. That's what I've got to say for our bodies. You know, our bodies are actually designed to heal themselves. They are actually designed to heal themselves. But because we mistreat them, Praise God for healing. Amen. Praise God for Jesus that carried all of those curses to the cross and nailed them up there. Amen. So, um, so 
we take on so much stress and so much pressure and we mistreat these bodies that's why he had to provide healing for us because we take all that on so what about doctors we need them we need doctors we've come so far now that most Christians would die without them I use a doctor but I also use the word with the doctor if he tells me something's wrong with, with me, what's going on in my body, then I take the word and I apply it. They see what they say what they see. And we take this word and use it against what's there. That by the stripes of Jesus I have been healed. Father, I thank you that you watch over your word to perform it. And you sent Jesus. Jesus carried this all the way to the cross. Amen. So I want us to go to um, Exodus 23. Anyway, so praise, doc, praise God for doctors. Amen. I'm not against doctors. Let's go to Exodus 23 and 25. We looked at this uh, last week. But I want to read, after I read this one, I want to read to you the Clark commentary on this. Verse 25, Exodus. It's, it's chapter 23. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. And he did. He did. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in the land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Now then, the Clark Commentary says this. I love this. That is, all thy provisions, no matter what sort, the most ordinary fare shall be sufficiently nutritious. Want me to read that one again? That is, all thy provisions, no matter what sort, the most ordinary fare shall be sufficiently nutritious when God's blessing is in it. Listen, listen to that. It's when God's blessing is in it that it will be nutritious. Woo, I tell you, I just stopped and meditated on that. You know... We don't need to just read this Bible. We need to do it. Amen. So notice it says when God's blessing is in it, it will be nutritious. That was Clark's mouth. You know what that did? I sat there last night and I, I thought, this has caused me to realize how important our words are that we speak over our food. I'm not going to have food poisoning. But I can tell you one thing that I've been guilty of. Of just saying this food is blessed in the name of Jesus. There's no faith in that. It's empty words. Now when I pray over the food and speak over the word. I speak it out of faith. And, I, and instead of just being empty words. Because I want God's blessing on it. 
It's when his blessing is on it. And I'm telling you, if you eat out at all, you better have God's blessing on it. Amen. Amen. So think about that the next time you start, sit down and start to partake of food. We want God's blessing on how do we do, how do we get it? We speak it over it. Amen. This is better than y'all think. It sure has blessed me. Praise God. I love to study. I love it when the Holy Spirit brings these things to my mind. So, so now when we, when we bless the food, I see his blessing on it. Praise God. So. Let's go to Galatians 3.13. I told y'all I was doing a scattered load today. We're sending us off into the holiday, Christmas holiday, with the Word of God. Amen. You're not going to get sick. If you do, you know, if it does come, you know how to get rid of it. Okay, Galatians 3.13. <clears throat> Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, as you and me, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So Galatians 3.13, what he's saying is that Jesus paid the price to free us from the curses of the law. And we know that uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, starting with verse 15, if you have never read the curses, every one of those, starting with verse 15 of Deuteronomy 28, lists the curses. And, God, and Jesus took those curses to the cross, nailed them to the tree so that you and I could be free. Now we know that the first 14 verses are the blessings that we have a right to. He did not do away with the blessings, only with the curses. So what happened was he became a curse instead of us having to be cursed. He became a curse. So the curses are in the earth. We know that because of the fall of man. But God has provided a life of health for you and me. The curse of sickness and disease and attacks on your physical body are in this earth. But the word of God says we're not of this earth. So we operate under God's system. So that we can be free from these things. Okay. Now I want to I go real quick to Deuteronomy 28. Because I want to read a couple of verses to you there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Can <laughs> y'all... That's the way I do these things. I have to reverse some of them. Verse, um, I want you to look at verse 61. He says, this is, this is the curse, one of the curses. He says, also every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of the law, then will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. Okay, also every sickness and every plague, which is not written in... In this book. That covers COVID. Every sickness and every disease that is not mentioned in this book. Jesus carried that. Now there will be new sicknesses probably that will come up. That we don't know. I mean they'll give a name to it. 
Well, if it's not men mentioned in this book, it's under the curse, and Jesus paid for that. You don't have to have the new sicknesses that they say are coming. You don't have to, because Jesus carried everyone that's not even got a name yet. Is that not outstanding? If it hasn't been named yet, it's already been carried to the cross. He knows it. He knows what it's going to be named. What a powerful God we serve. Amen. And then in verse uh, 66, and we have some people that have experienced this one. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shall have none assurance of, their li of thy life. That's under the curse. Jesus carried that fear of your life to the cross. He says, he says you'll, you'll be fearful for your life day and night. There's a lot of people, Christian people, that are fearful for their life. They're so afraid of every little thing that comes along. Well, he says that that's been taken to the cross. He says, you're going to fear day and night, and you'll have none assurance of thy life. I have assurance of my life because Jesus carried the non-assurance of my life to the cross. I don't fear tomorrow. I don't fear today. Amen? Because he carried the non-assurance to the cross. So those are really important scriptures. And you just need to, you know, go back and read the curses as well as the blessings. Amen. Okay. The mentality of the Old Testament people was if God permits it, he permits it, he commits it. That's not true. We permit it. God will allow what you and I permit. So he's not the one. So I want to cover briefly two words that are a hindrance to the covenant of health. Number one is doubt. Doubt is a lack of information. Doubt is a lack of information. It's ignorance of what God has provided. I'm talking about doubt. It's not knowing about a matter. That's what doubt is. Doubt will cause you to do nothing Faith or fear, both of those will cause you to do something. But doubt, you'll just do nothing. You just, case of raw, so raw, whatever will be, will be. Doris Day song. So if you're in doubt, then what do you need? You need more information. So go to the Word and get more, for, more information. And then when you find that information, you hear that information or see that information, do something with it. Get rid of the doubt. And the second one is unbelief. Uh, did you know you can only qualify for unbelief if you've heard something? I'll say that again. You can only qualify for unbelief if you've heard something. I choose not to believe that. It's a choice. There wouldn't be any unbelief if you haven't heard something. Right? You get it? Okay. So, doubt comes from a lack of information, but unbelief is a decision. You've heard something, and you've decided, I don't believe that. 
A lot of times when we get in unbelief, it's because we don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe that because sometimes it might put a responsibility on us to act. Amen. So unbelief is a decision to do nothing. You can leave this place today and do nothing about what we've been teaching. But if you believe it, you're going to find yourself acting on it. Amen. That's why you need to go back and read your notes. Faith comes by hearing. Okay, this word, when we hear and meditate it, will also give us hope. You know, we don't talk much about hope. But hope comes before faith. To me, this word gives me hope. So we don't want to do away with hope. So let's see what hope does. This is a quote. Without hope, all efforts stop and all, and all physical, mental power just wanes away when there is no hope. So hope is important in your faith walk. Hope is important concerning your health. You've got to have hope you know, hey, and, and study this word of God until that hope moves you over into the realm of faith. This word gives me help, me hope, but it will also give you faith. Amen. So in 1 Corinthians 13 and 13, it says, And now abideth these three, faith, hope, and charity. And we know that charity is the love of, is love. And now abideth these three. So we should have faith, we should have hope, and we should have love in this walk, in our lifestyle. All three of those should be there present in our lifestyle. So hope will keep you from quitting. If there's always hope, you know, that's something that is so important in your health walk, in your being free from sickness, and there's always hope. It, it will keep you from quitting if you think, you know what? This is going to end. I have hope for tomorrow. So don't give up, in other words. One commentary said, hope is what, what is, what, let me see this. What is the future becomes faith. Hope is what is in the future, but it will become faith. Hope will move you over into the realm of faith. And sometimes without the hope, we won't move on over into that realm of faith. Amen. Let's look at Psalms 89. I have no idea how long I've been. Psalms 89, verse 34. Listen to this. My covenant. Will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips? Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. He was talking about David there. But I love that scripture. My covenant will I not break. So God, God will watch over his word to perform it. We've got to trust him and we've got to give him time. Because there are situations and circumstances sometimes that surround us. Time is involved. He says, my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. He's not going to change what he has said. 
That's pretty good in it. That's why we need to put God's words in our mouth. Because when we speak his words, he's not going to alter them. He says, I'm not going to change what I've already said. Our problem is that we do. We change what we say according to situations or circumstances or how we feel. But we're going to have to get tough on this faith life. Amen. So, I want to put more of God's words in my mouth. I want to keep them coming out of my mouth. He sent his word such as he sent his word and healed me. Okay, that needs to be coming out of my mouth. And by his stripes, I have been healed. I was healed. I was healed. I was healed. And you know, if I just say that, maybe if we just keep saying that, all of a sudden, faith's going to come, and you're going to, revelation knowledge is going to come, and you say, well, bless God, I was healed. You know, it will become more than just words. It will become faith. And, and when it does, I'm, oh, man, you'll be slamming that hand down and said, yes, bless God, I was healed. Amen. So, and in Isaiah 54, y'all know how I love that verse too, that no weapon, Isaiah 54, no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. And then it goes on to say, this is part of my inheritance. I'm telling you, say that. No weapon is formed against me. And if it's sickness, disease, whatever, it could be financial. It doesn't matter. Whatever weapon that Satan uses and forms against you, it will not prosper. In other words, it will go no further. Whatever weapon that is, tell it that. Amen. Use the words of your mouth. Amen. In Proverbs 6 and verse 2, it says, You are snared by the words of your mouth. Now, i kind of taken that out of context there because what he's actually talking about there is when he says you are, you are snared by the words of your mouth, it's, he's talking about you signing papers for somebody. And you'd have to go back and read that. But it's still the truth about anything, you know. And there is a danger in you getting so involved that you sign the papers and, you know, for somebody that you wish to God you hadn't. You know, because you're going to end up, he says in that word, you're going to end up paying it yourself, being responsible for you, yourself. But I love that part that says you are snared by the words of your mouth. We can snare ourselves. So don't let what God has declared with his lips depart from your mouth. Keep saying what he says. And in closing, <laughs> praise, praise, praise. Just continue to praise. Because the word of God says, to me, praise is important in me staying healthy. It's very important to me that I do that because of what the word says. He says that praise will stop the avenger. It steals the avenger. It will stop Satan. He hates praise. And there's a reason he hates praise. Amen. Because that was his job. He knows what praise will do coming out of your mouth. And what it does when you really enter into praise and worship, if, if you're un, under a physical attack of any kind and you begin praising God, you know, you may be doing it at first without it, with it just being something that you know you need to do. 
But if you'll just continue on in praise and worship, it, it handles this up here. It handles this up here to where your thoughts will become engulfed in God because praise, it says, brings God on the scene. He says he would inhabit the praises of his people. And when we start really praising God, that means that he will be involved in your life when you begin to praise him. So praise is very powerful, and it's a powerful tool to us when we're physically fighting a physical battle. Enter into praise and worship. It'll occupy your mind with him. It'll occupy your mind with the answer instead of the pain or the discomfort. Amen? So be sure to include praise and worship in your um, healthy lifestyle. Amen?